Good morning. It's so good to see everyone here today. So thankful you've chosen to be with us here at Midway. As we get straight into our lesson this morning, the story is told about a young man who was, or a little boy who was actually given an orange by an older man. And so when the young man received the orange, his mother looked at him and said, Son, what do you say? Now all of us know those magic words, don't we? And so the little boy dutifully held the orange back up to the older gentleman and said, Peel it. <laughs> those are the words that you need to hear. Seems like the younger boy needed to learn some things about gratitude and some things about ingratitude. And so the same is true today with all of us. And as we think about it today, gratitude seems to be pretty much a lost art in our society, at least with a lot of folks, because our society seems to think that the world owes them some sort of living, that it really is something that they should be given, that it's their right to have, and if they have some things, then they should have more things. And, and so that's the mindset that we have. And you know what? Politicians, they're playing on that, aren't they? They're playing heavily on that. You know, those who have more shouldn't have it, and you should have what they have. And so that idea, that attitude of, uh, of gratitude has turned into ingratitude. And so that tells us that we need to be studying about it and talking about it. You know, there's a story about Jesus and some men that he, can, uh, he had an association with, I guess you might say, that Jairus read to us this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And we know that story is the story of the lepers and how that they were begging Jesus, have mercy on us, and Jesus told them to go and to show themselves to the priest and, you know, they would be healed. And so we understand the story. Nine of them went and uh, showed themselves, I guess, to the priest, and then they decided as they were going that it, there was no anything else, not anything else that they needed to do. But one, one man, he was the one who came back. Now, let's talk about that just a little bit this morning. I think there are some things that we can learn about gratitude from him. But before we get into him in, uh, in general, I, I want to make a point. I want us to think about it because it will apply to the rest of our lesson. I want us to understand this morning that the healing of the lepers took place when they acted on what Jesus told them to do. You see, the Bible says there in that passage that as they went, they were cleansed, verse number 15, as they went. When they began acting on what Jesus told them to do, that's when they received the blessing that Jesus promised to give. As they were going to the priest, some things became abundantly clear to them as they themselves were healed. Uh, they could go back and take their place in the world. They could uh, get on with their life. They could go back to what they had lost, having become a leper. Uh, they could go back to their old routine and to their family. And you know what? In that, in that same sense, the urgency for God was put back up on the shelf. They, they were standing there and they were seeing Jesus. And when Jesus came by, they were begging him to have mercy on them. But when they got what they wanted, when they got what they thought they needed, well, Jesus did not matter anymore. And God could be put back up there and he could be left there for the next time that we need something in our life. And so that's what happened. But the point I want to make is this. You know what? 
If we are ungrateful, if we participate in ingratitude rather than gratitude, then we cannot expect the blessings of God to come upon us because it's when we act, it's when we become grateful in this case, when we become grateful that we will receive the blessings and continue to receive the blessings that God wants to give us. This one lone Samaritan, it's interesting that the Bible calls him a Samaritan. We know about the good Samaritan, we know about the Samaritan woman, but here is the thankful Samaritan, as we might call him. It's interesting that he was the one who came back, according to the text. The implication is that the other nine were Jewish in uh, faith. But of all those who should have been thankful, who should have praised God for their healing, this one foreigner was the one and only one to come back and do so. And so this morning, as, as we think about it, what are some lessons? Some lessons that we can learn from him that every single one of us needs. Let's share some of those this morning. First of all, that thankful Samaritan took notice of his blessing. I want you to pay close attention to what the Bible has to say in verse number 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. Focus in on that word saw. When he saw that he was healed, that word saw means to stare at. And so he was looking at himself. He was looking at those hands that, that, that had uh, leprosy, perhaps his arms and, and, and the rest of his body. The Bible talks, uses that word which means to stare at, and then it carries on in to discern clearly, to understand. When, when this man came to understand the implications of what was going on, when this man began to understand the magnitude of what this meant in his life, of what had just taken place, he was made whole. He understood that he was made whole, not of his own accord, not from something that he earned, but he was made whole by the hand of God. Can you imagine that? That God was the one who did it. And he wanted to go back to Jesus and he wanted to praise God. He wanted Jesus to know that he was thankful. He took notice of what had happened to him. You know, there's another good question that we might ask. That question is simply this. Who did it? Who did it? Think about these things. You know, when you have money in your pocket, who did it? Well, usually the answer is, I did. I did it. I worked hard. Uh, uh, I, the boss noticed my commitment. He gave, me a, he gave me a promotion and he gave me a raise. He rewarded my superior efforts. And so I'm the one who gained the money that I have, right? Who did it? You know, when my spouse loves me, it's because of the charm that I have. And, and, and you know, this, uh, all of the things that I did to, to earn his or her, uh, depending upon whether you're a husband or a wife, uh, to, to earn that spouse's uh, love, I'm the one who did it. When my kids are a success... When they've grown and they, they do things and, and, and they become a success in life. You know what that results from? That results from my skills as a parent. I raised them right. Isn't that correct? Who did it? Well, folks, I want you to think about something in comparison. 
Just let one thing in your life go bad. One thing not go like you want it to go. And you know what the reaction of many, if not most, in our world is? God, why did you do this to me? God, why did you do this to me? Why, why did you let this happen to me? Now, if we did everything else, and God is the one who does bad things to us, I think we got the thing messed up. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. They come down from God. That's the good things. And so why blame God? Why blame God? In reality, you know, it, if I have money in my pocket, it's because God has blessed me. If I have a loving spouse, it's because God has blessed me. If I become a parent of one who becomes successful, it's because God has blessed me and blessed them. We don't blame God for the bad things and take credit for the good things in our life. You see, this man saw, he took notice of the blessing. And if we don't start taking notice of the blessings that we have in our life and realize where they're coming from, then our life is not going to be one of gratitude. We're not going to be that one who comes back and says, thank you for what you have done for me. Number two, that thankful Samaritan publicly proclaimed his praise to God. Notice again, if you look at uh, Luke chapter 17 at verse number 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Now, now listen to what Luke says. He was praising God with a loud voice. What does that word loud mean? That word loud comes from the word megas, or the word as we would use it today, the word mega, exceedingly great, high, large, loud, mighty. You know, this man was thankful to God for what God had done for him, and he didn't care who knew it. He was praising God with a loud voice. And you know what? It almost seems this way, that the more who heard it, the better off it was. Because God has blessed me in my life. He has taken the leprosy away from me. There are some times when even Christians are not very vocal in their praise of God. You know, if you sit around... Sometimes you'll hear people in the, in the worship service who are singing like this because they're afraid somebody might hear them. Got it? I don't sound very good. Are we thankful or not? Are we willing to be like this Samaritan, thankful Samaritan? Praising God and we don't care who knows it. We want more to know it. You know... If we're more worried about what people think about us, what they think about our voice, than we are about thanking our God, something's wrong. This man came back and he publicly proclaimed his praise to God with a voice that everybody could hear. That he wanted everybody to hear because he wanted everybody to know where his blessings come from. Do we want folks to know where our blessings come from? Are we so set on, I did it myself, that we forget 
that God needs the glory and the honor for what He's done for us? This man publicly proclaimed his praise to God. Number three, this thankful Samaritan humbled himself before all who were present. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse number 16. The Bible says there, And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. You know what I glean from that? This man didn't claim any right, quote unquote. This man did not claim any right to be healed or dare think that God owed him anything. Instead, he presented himself as an unworthy person who had been blessed by an honorable and admirable God. That's what this man did. How many of us would be willing to fall down at Jesus' feet? If Jesus were to somehow take a burden in our life away, and and, and folks, you know, we could talk about the leprosy and how bad it was. Hasn't been that long. We've talked about it in one of the classes somewhere here. And and, and we talked about it. might even have been a sermon. and, And we talked about leprosy and how bad it really and truly was. And if Jesus could take that burden out of, out of his life or he could take some burden out of our life that is equally as bad, would we not be willing to fall down on our face? And yet, he has taken a burden away from us for those who are Christians. And that burden is called the burden of sin. And when preachers and elders and other faithful Christians have to beg us to be present to worship and praise and honor and glorify and magnify our God, something is wrong. This man was willing to humble himself before the very one who had spoken his disease healed. Folks, we are all in a sense, having spiritual leprosy. And that should make us very humble whenever we draw near to Christ because He's taken that away out of our life. This thankful Samaritan humbled himself before all who were present, number four. The thankful Samaritan tossed aside the barriers that may have hindered him from giving thanks, from his thanksgiving. Think about some of the barriers that may have been there. There were ten who were healed, right? There were ten who were healed and not a single one of the others would return with him. You talk about peer pressure. Nine folks keep going and he stops. What What would have been the tendency of many, if not most? Well, everybody else is going, and so I'm going with them. There's no need for me to go back. They're not going back. Don't we get caught up in in following the crowd? If everybody's doing it, it must be okay because everybody's doing it. That's the justification. Everybody's doing it. And that's what this man could have said. Well, everybody else is going on. There's no reason. If they're not going back, I shouldn't go back. Well, folks, we can't be the nine. We've got to be the one. We've got to step up. And Jesus praised this man because he stepped up. 
He overcame that barrier. And not only did he do that, that particular barrier, but, but think about this. He was a Samaritan and Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher. And the Jews and the Samaritans, you know the story. They didn't get along well, did they? The Jews looked at the Samaritans as though they were dogs. And here comes this dog, put that in quotation marks, coming back to this Jewish teacher and falling down at his feet and giving him thanks. That was a barrier. That could have stopped him. He could have used that as an excuse and just gone on his way, but he didn't. And not only that, you know, he was a, he was a Samaritan and he may have had a concept of God. Did he have the right concept of God? We know about the Samaritans uh, that, the, uh, uh, that the Samaritan woman, she, she had some misunderstandings about God and so forth. And where to worship and how to worship, you know, as, as a part of Jewish culture. She had some misunderstandings about that. But, but, but what about this guy? Maybe, maybe, you know, could he have been ignorant of the blessing and where it had come from? He, he could have said, you know, ah, maybe, maybe just something in the air today. Maybe we should start thanking God instead of putting the barriers in place, you know, sometimes we can overcome those barriers by by start think, uh, starting to thank God more for the little things, and let that grow into giving Him thanks for the bigger things, all the more. This man tossed aside barriers, and and we could we could talk about that more. But we need to be willing to toss aside the barriers that would cause us to not be thankful as well. But as we think about that question, where are the nine, and Jesus and his idea concerning them, he was relating that to their ingratitude. And so this morning, not only should we think about gratitude and what we should do and how we should do that, but there's some lessons we should learn about ingratitude as well. If you have your Bible this morning, we didn't read this, it's not going to be on the screen, but turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 1. And let's begin reading in verse number 12. Romans chapter number 1 in verse number 12 beginning, we'll see a contrast to this grateful man uh, found here in the book of Romans. And it'll turn our attention to some that God outright calls unthankful. Romans chapter 1 beginning at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him but they were futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who blessed them forever. Amen. What is it that God said? They knew Him, but they didn't honor Him. And watch the last part of that verse, or the mid part of that verse. Or give 
thanks to Him. The Gentile world, the pagan world, so much of it back in the first century and prior centuries to that, they had a lot of problems. We read about several of their problems here in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. But one of the first things that God says about them is they didn't honor Him and they did not give thanks to Him. They're ingrates of the worst magnitude. But what happens when one becomes an ingrate? What about this idea of ingratitude? What are some of the signs of ingratitude revealed in this passage? Let's look at a few. Number one, God's law is despised. Think about it again in verses 23 through uh, uh, 25, uh, again, 21 through 25. Uh, all of the sins that are mentioned there are condemned in the Old Testament, aren't they? If you go back, the, the paganism, the, the, the idol worship, the, uh, uh, the homosexuality, all of the things that are mentioned there, they're all condemned in the Old Testament. But they substituted their thinking for God's thinking. The Ten Commandments have been called by some the sanitary regulation of the moral world, telling us what would damage us and what would benefit us. These folks should have been thankful for a guideline, a, 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 a plain direction for life, either in the thou shalt or the thou shalt not, to use the language of the King James Version. And God had taken the time and the trouble to, to give them a map through the Old Testament prophets, even to those who were outside of the, uh, of the fold of the, uh, of the uh, uh, Israelites. God had laid them out some laws that were observed under the patriarchal dispensation, but they ignored them. How many times do we ignore God's roadmap? In the book of Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Some have despised the heavenly guide. In the old days, they despised God's word. And you know what? There are many who still despise it today. Don't tell me what to do. Don't judge me. You have no right to judge me. And so they look down with contempt, with hatred on God and His Word. We should love the Word of God. It keeps us in the right way, not just with God. It makes our life better here. If we would follow it, families would be stronger. Marriages would be stronger. Society would be better. What if everyone followed the Word of God? You wouldn't have to lock your door. You wouldn't have to worry about someone breaking in and stealing anything. You wouldn't have the worries about the drug problem that we have. We... If everybody followed the Word of God, we basically would have a, a, a sort of heaven on earth. 
But so many folks despise it. Even those in high places are becoming more and more despiteful toward the Word. That's what happened to the Gentile world of old. God said, I'll tolerate it no longer. Not only that, but number two, when we learn about ingratitude, not only is God's law despised, but secondly, uh, God's worship is discarded. I quit clicking here, Larry. God's worship is discarded. In Romans 1, verses 23 through 25, notice what they did. They worshiped the birds and the animals and the reptiles. Under the Old Testament law, God provided that He Himself was to be worshipped. Not only that, but think about it in these terms. Uh, Under the Old Testament law, God provided a day of worship and a day of uh, six days of uh, six days of uh, work and one day of rest and worship. He did that. He said, basically, take six and use them in your business and in taking care of your life and sustaining your life. And you know what the answer was? No, we want the seventh one as well. And even many people today, we want to take every day for us and not a single day for God. God's worship is sometimes discarded. You know, it's sort of like this. Say a man sees someone who is really in need on the side of the road, and he has $7 with him. And he gives the person in need $6, and as he walks away with only $1 left for himself, the one who is needy gets up and runs and hits him and takes the seventh dollar away from him as well. We don't think very highly of him, do we? If he would rob a man who had just helped him, and yet we do that with God all the time. We need to be very careful because we don't want to be like those people that God calls unthankful and discarding even the worship that God has provided for us. Not only that, but number three, God and His Son are denied. They worship, verse 25, the creature more than the Creator. Again, under the Old Testament law, Exodus chapter 20 at verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. God Himself is one who who wants the only praise, the only highest place that a person has. Under the Old Testament law, that one was to be observed by the Israelites, but they didn't observe that. They would soon turn to Baal worship and Asherah and Melech and other false gods. And they would worship them. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, the apostle says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is only one way. Jesus said that himself in John chapter 14 at verse number 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And yet, 
so many today would reject Christ, do reject Christ, do reject the things. Someone has said that this has to be one of the mysteries that the angels just simply cannot comprehend. That after Christ came to this earth and died for mankind, shedding His blood, that sinners would not be saved by Him. That they would refuse to be washed in the fountain that was opened from His side and from His wounds in His hand. And choose hell rather than salvation that comes through Christ. Because we would rather serve ourselves. We would rather place ourselves on the throne that we want to be the king of our own life rather than having God and His Son as our king. But then number four, God's deliverances are disregarded. Romans 1.27, we'll drop on down there. We did not read that a minute ago. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. It's an interesting statement. That statement about receiving in themselves, Barnes in his commentary says the meaning of this is doubtless that the effect of such base and unnatural passions was to enfeeble the body and produce premature old age, disease, decay, and an early death. You know, Barnes died before we even knew anything about AIDS or anything of that nature. And yet God provided many, many decades and centuries and millennia ago that these kind of actions would bring harm. And we know the harm that other things bring to us. And so God would have delivered the, the, the Israelites. He would spare them from all of these things. Should they listen to Him? What about us? What about moving it forward? Have you ever escaped a car wreck? Or a cancer scare? Or coronary, a heart attack? Many people have. Charles Spurgeon, a denominational preacher, considered to be one of the greatest preachers among those of his particular denomination, said, But I do not doubt that I address some who have been between the jaws of death. They have looked over the edge of that dread precipice beneath which is the fathomless abyss. You vowed that if God would spare your life, you would never be what you were before. And the truth is, you are not, for you're worse than ever. You're sinning now against light and in shameful ingratitude. God have mercy upon you. You know, when we, when we are brought face to face with tragedy, and, and we ourselves are able to, by God's help, overcome it? Do we forget it? Forget the help that God has given us? You know, a lot of folks respond in this way. I was lucky. 
right? I, I had a cancer scare, but I was lucky because they caught it in time. I was lucky when I... When, when, when someone happened upon that uh, car rack and they actually saw me go down in that ravine, I could have lain there for days. No one would have seen me. But I was lucky. I was lucky. Think about those words. Someone has said that this must be the height of unthankfulness to ascribe the good gifts of God to luck. Think about that one. Somebody says, you know, I've worked hard, really hard for what I have. You're correct. But who made it possible for you to work? Somebody says, well, you know what? I've got a good supply of brains. And I've made smart decisions. And so, you know, I've set myself up for a good retirement. Can I ask you a question? You may have used your brain. Where would you get it from? Did you make your own brain? Or even make the one that you have with the ability to think. Another one said in that regard, Do you not feel that any man who talks about his own wisdom and his own wit writes FOOL across his forehead in capital letters? We owe Everything to God. And those people that Paul writes about, those, those Gentiles that Paul writes about in the book of Romans chapter 1 at verse 24, they forgot that. The Bible says they knew God, but they didn't. They, they had all of these other problems. They forgot about what God can do and what He has done. As we close our lesson this morning, the story is told about during the Vietnam War, there was a young lieutenant who saw one of his men who was wounded very gravely and this young lieutenant risked his own life to save this man. And in doing so, he, the lieutenant, lost his life but saved the man. And the story goes, after the war was over, the young lieutenant's parents decided to have the man that their son had saved to come and visit with them and perhaps even learn to share some camaraderie with them. But when he came, he showed himself to be quite rude. He told jokes that were inappropriate And he showed no gratitude whatsoever for the sacrifice of that couple's son. So when the guest finally left, as the dad was closing the door behind him, the mother just began to sob and she cried to think that our precious son had to die for somebody like that. Folks, we don't want to grieve the heart of God by neglecting to thank Him that His Son had to die for somebody as unthankful 
as ungrateful as sometimes we are. Be the one and not one of the nine. Be the one. Make it a habit of starting your day thanking God and giving Him thanks for the very life that you have. Thank Him for another day as a forgiven child of God who can, that you can use it to make an impact on others. Thank Him that you have a home in heaven awaiting you because of your hope in Christ. Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for your friends. Thank Him for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank Him for your classmates. Thank Him for your co-workers. Thank Him even for the cold weather. You know, we were looking for that by last summer, or about three weeks ago. And now it's gotten colder, and everybody wants the warm weather back. Well, thank Him for the warm weather too. Thank Him for the air. Thank Him for the trees. Thank Him for everything. Where are the nine? If you're standing with them today, you need to make a change. If I'm standing with them today, I need to make a change. I want to be like that thankful Samaritan. Don't you? It may be this morning that you need to come to the Lord, that you need your sins washed away in His blood, buried with Him to be washed away in the blood of Christ, have your sins washed away in the blood of Christ. In dying with Him. Maybe you're here today and there's something amiss in your life. Whatever that may be, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, why don't you come?